Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Going to the book of Leviticus today, the book of Leviticus chapter 16, and uh, we're going to be reading there. So if you go there, place your, if you got a Bible, you can place your thumb there. If you got a phone, I don't know how you do that. You just got to go to the next scripture. But Leviticus 16 and then Romans chapter 3. Leviticus chapter 16 and Romans chapter 3. When you study the book of Leviticus or you read the book of Leviticus, it can get kind of convoluted and, and strange and all the different things that that are going on. But one thing you got to remember, the theme of the book of Leviticus is God is holy and he wants a holy people. Okay, God is holy and he wants a holy people. Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 30. For on that day shall the priest make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord, and it shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. And the priest whom he shall appoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments, and he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he and shall make an atonement for the priest and for all the people of the congregation. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Everybody say atonement. Now to the book of Romans chapter 3. We want to, in this message today, do our best to tie in Old Testament and New Testament fulfillment and completeness of that types and shadows that are made in the Old Testament. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. My assignment today is to minister 
on atonement. Atonement. Everybody say atonement. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you, God, for the gathering of your people. Lord Jesus, we want to minister your word in such a way, God, that we serve our gift and give you honor, give you glory. Lord, I pray that it would touch the hearts of your people. Let those, O oh God, that are wallowing in shame today be ministered to. Let those, O oh God, that are under the confusion and weight of sin be ministered to today through your word that we may grow, Lord, and do what we, what we are setting out to do, and that is to bring hope and build lives in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. What is wrong with our world today? What is wrong with our world today? Left, right? Who's to blame for our problems that eat away at our nation like a cancer? I know. Let's blame the government. Come on. Anybody want to blame the government? Politicians. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the ones. They're the problems. They're the heart of all of our maladies. How about the media? You know, CNN, blame them. MSNBC, blame them. Fox News, all vile, belching out their issues, problems and troubles. Amen. Then we look at this and maybe we could talk about the bastions of secular religion we know these pagan temples as universities. These universities are the problems. They're the problems. They are the problems. Well, we can't talk about that if we don't talk about Hollywood. And Hollywood and Netflix and Hulu and all the other abomination streaming mess that's out there. It's their fault. Well, how about big tech? Big tech and all the companies. Apple's evil. Google's evil. Facebook is evil. Got some bad problems. Got some, got some things on Twitter that need to be straightened out. Amen. So isn't that really? How about hashtags? Organizations built on hashtags. They're the problem. They are the issue with America today and our world today. What is wrong with our world? What is wrong with our world is the same thing that was wrong when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. Sin. Sin's the real problem. Sin is the real problem. And the fact is we are all sinners. I got one right. Y'all were saying amen when I was blasting, you know, Hollywood and, and going after all these other places. But when all of a sudden, you know, we are in a world that likes to look at everything through binoculars. But what God wants us to do is to look at the word as a mirror. We need to put down the binoculars and look in the mirror and say, you know what? The Bible declares that judgment begins at the house of God. Before I point fingers at this world and all of its issue, I got to deal with the issue that is in my life and in your life, and that is sin. Sin. Sin is a problem. Amen. The world don't like to talk about it, but that's the, that's the truth. We, we point 
uh, fingers at a litany of issues that plagues this generation. But we need to realize today, as Paul said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all missed the mark. I've missed the mark. I have sinned. Amen. I inherited that problem from my mom and dad called Adam and Eve. Amen. The writer says in Psalm 51 and 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. God is a holy God. God is a righteous God. And he places demands upon those he has relationship. So how in the world can a sinner... A sinner that angries that angers God, a sinner that disgusts God. Amen. We cannot come into the holy presence of God and bring our sin and be accepted. I realize we say, "Come as you are to the Lord." Come as you are to the Lord, but you have to repent before you get into the throne room. You can make your way to God as you are, but you have to have something to take care of the sin issue in your life. What if I told you today that sin makes God angry? I thought he's a loving God. I thought he was a caring God. Yeah, but sin makes God angry. Let me give you scripture. Psalm 7 and 11. God judges the righteous and is angry with the wicked every day. Let's put that on a Facebook post to see how it goes. God is angry with the wicked every day. Amen. John 3 and 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Read Romans 1 where it talks about the wrath of God upon sinners. Amen. I thought he was a loving God. Yes, he is. He is a loving God, so he has to have a way that his wrath could be averted that sinners can come into his presence. Amen. Because none of us were squeaky clean. None of us were good enough to slip in even under the rug when it comes to the kingdom of God. We all have to be born again and deal with the sin issue. When we look at the Old Testament, it often reveals the will and way of God through types and shadows and patterns and festivals and, and, and furniture. And it, and it reveals to us how God is operating in heaven as a pattern and as a type. Moses ascended into the glory of God and God showed him the heavenly tabernacle. And 17 times at least from Exodus 39 to 40, God told Moses, build the tabernacle according to the pattern you saw in heaven. Amen. The tabernacle in the Old Testament, the, the festivals and feast days of the Old Testament revealed to us not just a, 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 a natural uh, sacrament, but rather it reveals the holiness of God and the sin of man. It reveals to us and depicts the ministry and work of Jesus Christ. He is the one that is both the sacrifice and the altar. We find the church is seen in the tabernacle. We get a glimpse of heaven on earth in the tabernacle. 
Among uh, the things in the Old Testament were the feast days. These were festivals, feasts that were, were carried out by the Hebrews to commemorate various things and to honor and consecrate themselves. We see this beautifully depicted as Christ in the New Testament. The Old Testament contains shadows of things that we would not understand had we not had a, a depiction of it. Paul said, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. In another place he said the law is spiritual, but it was trying to be lived carnally by carnal people who did not have the Spirit of God. So they did things like Passover. The Jews celebrated the liberation from slavery in Egypt. It was a putting on of the blood on the doorpost and a partaking of the lamb that gave them exodus out of Egypt so that they could conquer that particular uh, uh, oppression upon them. Jesus is the Passover lamb and by his blood we exit sin and we exit the dominion of the slavery of sin into a new life into liberty in him how many know that Jesus is our Passover lamb the feast of unleavened bread speaks and typifies how that Jesus is sinless he's a sinless sacrifice the Bible calls him the spotless lamb yes he was indeed they celebrated a festival known as the feast of first fruits amen this is where we celebrate that Jesus is the first fruits of resurrection this is him coming out of the tomb we find him as being the Passover lamb that was slain the sinless offering of the unleavened bread and that he is also the celebration of the resurrection the first fruits that come forth and then after that we find Pentecost the feast of Pentecost in in this particular way Jesus reveals himself as the Lord of the harvest Pentecost was the first fruits of the harvest when the church was born in the upper room it was the feast of Pentecost to celebrate the beginning of the church. Amen. You study there is also the feast of trumpets. And it was the declaration to the Hebrews that, that God's people were to rest. Amen. The sound of the last trumpet in the church age we find is going to be a celebration of rest. I want to tell you I'm excited that the rapture is coming and coming soon. Jesus is coming and coming soon. As a matter of fact, all the month of February, we're going to be talking about heaven. We're going to be talking about where we're going, where our hope is. Paul said, if I had hope in this world only, I would be of all men most miserable. If all I had hope is that things could get better in America and get better in this world, if that's my only hope, I tell you I would be miserable. But my hope is in heaven. That is what the Feast of Trumpets talks about. The Feast of Tabernacles is where they commemorated the sustaining power of God. For God took care of them and was with them in the wilderness. In this feast, we see how that Christ loves us and how he is with us. He is with us. Somebody say he is with us. 
and we're going to dwell with him for eternity in the Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost was the celebration of the early harvest. Tabernacles is a celebration of the end time harvest. But situated between the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles, it is known as the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was the most sacred day in Israel's celebration because that was the day they took care of their sin issue. That was the day they had to confront and had to go over their sin. They were to fast. They were to separate themselves. They were to get themselves alone and begin to think about their sin and think about all that they had done. Man, that would be a, that'd be a rough day. Think about everything. Instead of count your blessings, count your sins. Uh-huh. Some folks need a calculator. But the Day of Atonement... In Leviticus chapter 16, it is, it is presented for us, and let's, let's go through some of this so we understand how it applies to us today. For on that day, verse 30, Leviticus 16 and 30, for on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. The only way that they could have cleanliness when it comes to their sin issue was because of the day of atonement. Verse 31, it shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and you shall afflict your souls for a statue forever. You need to fast. You need to consider who you are. Let me just tell you, repentance doesn't happen until I consider who I am. Repentance can't happen until I see myself in the mirror and not allow myself to simply just look at everybody else with my binoculars, but I see myself in the mirror that says, this is my sin issue. Amen. The first piece of furniture in the tabernacle was the brazen altar where they offered sacrifice the next piece was where they washed that sacrifice known as the laver and it was made out of mirror i see myself through the word of god i need to know how to take care of myself so once a year at the appointed time the high priest was to officiate over the operation of atonement the feast of atonement this was the most sacred day of israel's worship it was a day when their sins would be rolled ahead for another year you notice the statute was from year to year they would roll their sins ahead it didn't cleanse them entirely of their sin but they had to have their sins rolled ahead year to year and so we find it was not a one-time deal but an annual deal on that day, the priest wore something different than his normal fancy duds. Normally, he's got the one with the gold and the stones and the breastplate and the urn and the thurman and the hat of holiness and the pomegranates and the bells. But this day is the day that he set aside all of that for a simple white linen coat and breeches and also a hat. The high priest had to first of all deal with his own sin deal with his own sin. In Leviticus 16 and 6, and Aaron shall offer his bullock for the sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. Before he can go beyond the veil into the holy of holies in the most sacred place before the ark of God, he had to offer a bullock and shed that blood for himself and for his family. Amen. The high priest had to be righteous and pure and clean before he can go in and, and offer uh, atonement for those that are the people of Israel. 
With great care, we find that Aaron, the first one to do this, the first high priest, five times during the day he changed his clothes. Five times he followed the same cleansing pattern of dipping himself and washing himself. Five is the number of grace. Each time he washed his hands and feet and removed his garment and totally immersed his body, amen, and put on a change of clothes and washed his head and his feet again. What is he saying? You've got to be pure if you're going to go to the presence of the Lord. Why? God cannot tolerate sin because hear me, when sin comes into God's presence, wrath is his response unless it is judged. I know this, this is, that kind of preaching does not make friends and influence people, but rather it's the truth. It is the wrath of God that responds when sin is not taken care of. In Leviticus 16 and 33, and he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. First of all, he made atonement for himself. Offer the bullock, put the blood into the holy of holies. Amen. And then he's to offer and make atonement for the holy sanctuary. He shall make atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation, for the altar, and make an atonement for the priest, and then for all the people of the congregation. Amen. Why would a, even a holy place that had been consecrated, a place that had been dedicated, have to have atonement? Because when man's steps into something, he brings his attitudes. He brings his issues. He brings his motivation. Amen. Not everything that is brought up in worship is under such great, great motivation. Sometimes we've got our hearts out of line. So what we need is we need an atonement. We need a being atoned so we can worship the Lord in the holiness of God. Let's look at the meaning of atonement. Can you throw up our title, please? Atonement. Look at that word. It's often been said, you can break it up into three parts. At one mint. At one mint. The Hebrew word is a kapoor here. It's where we get the, you hear them celebrate Yom Kippur. It's, it's atonement. But the word in the Hebrew means to cover, to forgive, to make amends, to pardon, to appease, to extinguish the guilt of a crime. Whew. To extinguish the guilt of a crime. So we find that once a year they would come. And when you look at this word as at one mint, it means to be at one with God. To be at one with God. That should be the heart cry of every person in this room. That should be the heart cry of everyone that is watching. Matter of fact, it ought to be the heart cry of everyone. How can I be at one with God? So once a year, the high priest, amen, he came and he brought to them an atonement and offered up. The Israel was to turn away from their sins in repentance. There was a symbolic payment that was made in sacrifice, given a ransom. Jesus said, I have come that I might give my life a ransom for many. Hallelujah. You find that atonement in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus in the New Testament. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to show you three main aspects of atonement. Three main aspects of atonement. They would bring two spotless, identical goats that were to be offered up and given on the day of, of atonement. One was to be sacrificed by Aaron and his blood taken to the Holy of Holies and sprinkled upon the mercy street to make atonement or amends for the sins of Israel. 
Look at verse 15 of chapter 16 of Leviticus. And he shall, then he shall kill the goat of sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bullock. What he did for himself, he's now doing for the house and for the priest and for the people of Israel. Sprinkle upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. That's the top, the covering, if you please, of the Ark of the Covenant. And he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgression. Everybody say transgressions of all their sin and he shall do for the tabernacle the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness the very first thing that happened when this atonement occurred is that sins were covered say it with me sins were covered the very first time we find this Hebrew word mentioned it is found in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 14 when God told Noah I want you to make the ark out of gopher wood rooms that you shall make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without pitch. The word pitch here is the same Hebrew word atonement. You shall make atonement on the outside and on the inside. Ah, hallelujah. You're to make reconciliation on the outside and on the inside. Atonement is not just about just simply covering our sins and going on, but rather is so much deeper than that. Look at the reading in Leviticus chapter 16 again verse 21 are you with me and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over them all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in, in all their sins. What is the difference between transgression and iniquity? He is saying, I'm going to cover you and I'm going, there's going to be a, a covering over the sin that is iniquity and transgression. When we get into study, we find that transgression has to do with things that are outward actions. It is things that we do outwardly. Iniquity is inward motivation. It's thoughts. It's sins that are thoughts. Manners that are thoughts. I want to tell you, you can sin with your thought, but when atonement comes, amen, he pitches it within and without. He came to take care of and cover our sins both on the outside, what we have done with our actions, and also how we have thought in our minds Whew. this is beautifully portrayed in Isaiah 53 and 5 he was wounded he was wounded he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities he was wounded that is the outside uh, uh, wounds that come upon him by the nails amen but also says he was bruised you know what bruises are it's an outside force that does inside damage amen so not only did he come to take care of our outward sin but he was wounded on the outside so we don't have to sin on the outside and he was bruised on the inside so we don't have to have the wrong motivations. Uh, praise God. Mm, 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 mm. Psalm 65 and 3. Iniquities, motivations, inward thoughts prevail against me. 
As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Oh, cover me, Lord. Hallelujah. It was David that said in Psalm 51 and 2, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin or my transgression. Oh, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they wanted covered it up and they made themselves fig leaves. When they wanted to cover up their sin, the shame that hit them, they wanted to hide. They wanted to run and they did. And so they used fig leaves to try to cover that which was uh, 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 condemning them and shaming them. I want to tell you, Jesus, our, our Lord came along, God came along, and he said that covering won't work. I want to tell you today, you can't cover up your sins. I cannot cover up my sins. It doesn't matter how good I am. It doesn't matter what acts I do. I cannot cover up my sin. There is a God that is seeing it, and he knows. And he stopped and he said, that's not enough, Adam and Eve. And he killed a lamb. He shed blood. Why? There could be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Because life is in the blood. And for there to be remission, there has to be life for life. Life for life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. I don't want to try to cover up myself. I need the lamb to cover me. I need the sacrifice of atonement to cover me. I need the Lord to make coats of skin and clothe me. Hallelujah. So I understand that atonement brings me covering from God. It covers my sin. But it not only covers my sins, it removes my sin. I wish I had some shouters right now to thank the Lord that your sins are covered. Ah, my sin is covered. My sin is covered. But my sin is not only covered, it is removed. Look at Leviticus 16, 21. And Aaron shall, he had the sacrificial goat, and then he has another goat that was to remain alive. And Aaron shall lay his hands, both his hands, upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions, all their inward illegal thoughts, motivations that are wicked. Amen. Contemplations that are wicked. Not only that, but to confess their outward sins, their transgression. And he was to put his hands upon the lamb that are the goat that was left. One was slain and the blood was applied and one was kept alive and all the sins was conveyed upon that. And then a man that was aptly picked was to take that goat out into the wilderness so far it can never return again it would never come back again hallelujah not only did Jesus cover my sins he took my sins and he separated them as the psalmist said as far as the east is from the west it's not that I'm just forgiven he looks at me as never have sinned he doesn't know what that is it is gone it's in the sea of forgetfulness Oh, I wish I could preach what I feel today. I wish I could convey what I feel today. The accuser of the brethren is Satan. He's the dirty, rotten scoundrel that picks up sin that we have put under atonement. He's the one that wants to go tell us the goat's still with us. 
But I've come to remind you and to remind him today. Jesus took my sin. He not only was the high priest that offered the goat and put it into the, the holy of holies. He was the scapegoat. That's what the second goat was. It was the scapegoat. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus fulfilled not only the first goat in sacrifice. He fulfilled the second goat in that he took our sins away. He not only covered our sin, he took our sins away. Isaiah said in 53 and 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. All, does that sound like what Paul said? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. Hallelujah. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what your iniquity is in your head or the transgression is in your hand. It does not matter if you will take it to the cross today and if you'll lay it at his feet today and if you'll say, oh God, not only cover me, but cleanse me and carry my sin away. This is the atonement of Calvary. You know, we're living in a age they call the cancel culture don't like something let's pull the monument down let me sidebar here just a minute do y'all ever look at some story from the news and say huh about every day uh I heard about one particular, somebody was telling me, I didn't see this, so this is secondhand. It may be from Facebook and it'd be from fake book. <laughs> heard about some place in California, of all things, that wanted to rename a school because they didn't like what it represented. The name of the school, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> well, let me tell you about another council cancel culture you need to be aware of. Isaiah 28, 18. <laughs> I'm going to shout. You're going to shout with me? And your covenant with death shall be disannulled. And your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then shall ye shall be trodden down by it. Amen. But he said, I'm going to counsel death. I'm going to shut down the agreement with hell. How does he do that? By the blood that he shed, by the covenant of atonement. Hallelujah. He took my sins away. He not only cleansed me, he took my sins away. The word for the second lamb that was the scapegoat is a word that is very special, special in the Hebrew noun, meaning dis, uh, to entirely, to dismiss or entirely remove. The entire removal of the sin and guilt of Israel is symbolized by the priest laying both his hands on the head of the live goat, confessing over it, amen, in all the transgression of the children of Israel, and then sending away. The Bible said, he that confesseth and forsaketh his sins, amen, is going to get forgiveness. Oh, 
somebody needs to confess today and say, cleanse me. Amen. And I'll take your sacrifice, Jesus. So he covers us. He cleanses us. And the third thing I want to show you that happens at atonement is that he removes wrath. He removes wrath. Go back to our original scripture in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Mark that word, propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Why doesn't God get all these sinners? Why doesn't God, if I were God, Sister Teresa, I'd zap everybody. You're gone. Cancel you. You're gone. But I'm not God, thank the Lord. The reason, one New Testament word comes to my mind. The reason he doesn't do that is because of the forbearance of God. God is patient on people. I can't say, Lord, be patient on me, but not those scallywags at NBC. See? Patient. He's patient. He's patient. The reason you don't see people being fried all around is because his forbearance. Amen. The forbearance of God. He's waiting. He's waiting for mercy. He's waiting to apply atonement, propitiation. The Old Testament word that we mentioned to you in the Hebrew for atonement is now in the New Testament rendered in the Greek, this word, propitiation. The New Testament word, if you're taking notes, write this down. The, the New Testament word for atonement is propitiation. Amen. In, in 1 John 4 and 10, it says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's an interesting word. It is a, it is a Greek word that is not often employed in different places, but listen to what it means. It means forgiveness, Atoning sacrifice, both expiation, which means the removal of sin, and propitiation, which means the removal of wrath. The removal of wrath. So we find that Jesus Christ, the great atonement high priest, and the, and the lamb, and the scapegoat, amen, he came to not only to cleanse us of our sins, to cover us of our sins, to remove our sins, but he also came to remove the wrath that was, that was destined for us away from us. And so Jesus becomes, becomes the wrath remover. So in the atoning world, that we're going to celebrate here in just a moment with the cup, amen, and with the bread. What we're saying is, Lord, you cleanse me, you remove my sin, and oh God, you have removed the wrath I was destined for. Atonement is the only way I can have a relationship with a holy God because I'm not good enough, I'm not clean enough, I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough to come into his presence without it. Propitiation. 
both expiation, which means removal of sin, and propitiation, which means the removal of wrath. Do you know there are some people in Bible theology seminaries, whatever you want to call them, that modern-day folks want to take this word propitiation out of the King James or out of the Greek and change it just simply to be expiation, just simply the removal of sin because they don't want to deal with God's wrath. That's a hard subject to understand. But when you see the holiness of God and the sin of man, it makes it very clear that God cannot deal with sin unless it has been judged by atonement. Stand with me, please. Is your sin covered today? Is your sin covered today? Is it removed? Jesus looked at the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And when he said, where are your accusers? Then there was nobody else to accuse her because they are left. They hit the road. I believe he wrote all their sins down. I believe that's what he did. Those with stones, he wrote their sins down and said, all right, you without stone, without sin, cast the first stone. They were gone. But this is what Jesus said. We, we think about, oh, he was mercy and kind. But he also said, go and sin no more. So I don't, want to, I don't want to cheapen the grace of God by just constantly saying, okay, God, God forgive me, God wash me, cover me, remove my sin, and now I'm going to go back and do the same thing. That is to trample the grace of God. But it is in atonement that we find a cleansing. Wash me, Lord, wash me, Lord. Can you pray that right now? Wash me, Lord. Cover me. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.